Welcome to Bible 2 Go. Hebrews chapters 6 through 9 is today's Bible reading. Read and listen to the Bible daily where we read through the complete New Testament in 90 days. Today's Bible reading from the message. Visit the audio Bible 2 Go archive for all previous Bible readings. Thank you for being with us today. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, help me understand your word. The words I'm reading today. Help me to love others. As you have and do. Love me. Amen. Let's begin today's Bible reading in. Hebrews chapter 6. So come on, let's leave the preschool finger-painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place, turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God, baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. God helping us, we'll stay true to all that. But there's so much more. Let's get on with it. 4-8 Once people have seen the light, gotten a taste of heaven and been part of the work of the Holy Spirit, once they've personally experienced the sheer goodness of God's Word and the powers breaking in on us, if then they turn their backs on it, washing their hands of the whole thing, well, they can't start over as if nothing happened. That's impossible. Why, they've re-crucified Jesus. They've repudiated Him in public parched ground that soaks up the rain and then produces an abundance of carrots and corn for its gardener gets God's well done. But if it produces weeds and thistles, it's more likely to get cussed out. Fields like that are burned, not harvested. 9-12 I'm sure that won't happen to you, friends. I have better things in mind for you, salvation things. God doesn't miss anything. He knows perfectly well all the love you've shown Him by helping needy Christians, and that you keep at it. And now I want each of you to extend that same intensity toward a full-bodied hope, and keep it at till the finish. Don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. God gave His Word. 1318a When God made His promise to Abraham, He backed it all the way, putting His own reputation on the line. He said, I promise that I'll bless you with everything I have, bless and bless and bless. Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them so that if there is any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. When God wanted to guarantee His promises, He gave His Word, a rock-solid guarantee, God can't break His Word. And because His Word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. 18b20 We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up His permanent post as High Priest for us, in the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 7. Melchizedek, Priest of God. 1-3 Melchizedek was King of Salem and Priest of the Highest God. He met Abraham, who was returning from the royal massacre, and gave him his blessing. Abraham in turn gave him a tenth of the spoils. Melchizedek means King of Righteousness. Salem means Peace. So, he is also king of peace. Melchizedek towers out of the past, without record of family ties, no account of beginning or end. In this way he is like the Son of God, one huge priestly presence dominating the landscape always. 4-7 You realize just how great Melchizedek is when you see that Father Abraham gave him a tenth of the captured treasure. Priests descended from Levi are commanded by law to collect tithes from the people, even though they are all more or less equals, priests and people, having a common father in Abraham. But this man, a complete outsider, collected tithes from Abraham and blessed him, the one to whom the promises had been given. In acts of blessing, 
the lesser is blessed by the greater. 8.10 or look at it this way, we pay our tithes to priests who die, but Abraham paid tithes to a priest who, the scripture says, lives. Ultimately you could even say that since Levi descended from Abraham, who paid tithes to Melchizedek, when we pay tithes to the priestly tribe of Levi they end up with Melchizedek. A permanent priesthood. 11.14 If the priesthood of Levi and Aaron, which provided the framework for the giving of the law, could really make people perfect, there wouldn't have been need for a new priesthood like that of Melchizedek. But since it didn't get the job done, there was a change of priesthood, which brought with it a radical new kind of law. There is no way of understanding this in terms of the old Levitical priesthood, which is why there is nothing in Jesus' family tree connecting him with that priestly line. 15:19. But the Melchizedek story provides a perfect analogy, Jesus, a priest like Melchizedek, not by genealogical descent but by the sheer force of resurrection life, he lives, priest forever in the royal order of Melchizedek. The former way of doing things, a system of commandments that never worked out the way it was supposed to, was set aside, the law brought nothing to maturity. Another way, Jesus. A way that does work, that brings us right into the presence of God, is put in its place. 2022 The old priesthood of Aaron perpetuated itself automatically, father to son, without explicit confirmation by God. But then God intervened and called this new, permanent priesthood into being with an added promise. God gave His Word. He won't take it back. You're the permanent priest. This makes Jesus the guarantee of a far better way between us and God, one that really works. A new covenant. 23-25 Earlier there were a lot of priests, for they died and had to be replaced. But Jesus' priesthood is permanent. He's there from now to eternity to save everyone who comes to God through Him, always on the job to speak up for them. 26-28 So now we have a high priest who perfectly fits our needs, completely holy, uncompromised by sin, with authority extending as high as God's presence in heaven itself. Unlike the other high priests, he doesn't have to offer sacrifices for his own sins every day before he can get around to us and our sins. He's done it, once and for all, offered up himself as the sacrifice. The law appoints as high priests men who are never able to get the job done right. But this intervening command of God, which came later, appoints the Son, who is absolutely, eternally perfect. Hebrews 8. A new plan with Israel. 1 to 2 inches essence, we have just such a high priest, authoritative right alongside God, conducting worship in the one true sanctuary built by God. 3 5 The assigned task of a high priest is to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and it's no different with the priesthood of Jesus. If he were limited to earth, he wouldn't even be a priest. We wouldn't need him since there are plenty of priests who offer the gifts designated in the law. These priests provide only a hint of what goes on in the true sanctuary of heaven, which Moses caught a glimpse of as he was about to set up the tent shrine. It was then that God said, be careful to do it exactly as you saw it on the mountain. 6:13. But Jesus' priestly work far surpasses what these other priests do, since he's working from a far better plan. If the first plan, the old covenant, had worked out, a second wouldn't have been needed. But we know the first was found wanting, because God said. Heads up. The days are coming when I'll set up a new plan. For dealing with Israel and Judah. I'll throw out the old plan. I set up with their ancestors. When I led them by the hand out of Egypt. They didn't keep their part of the bargain. So I looked away and let it go. This new plan I'm making with Israel. Isn't going to be written on paper. Isn't going to be chiseled in stone. This time I'm writing out the plan in them. Carving it on the lining of their hearts. I'll be their God they'll be my people. They won't go to school to learn about me. 
or buy a book called God in 5 Easy Lessons. They'll all get to know me firsthand. The little and the big, the small and the great. They'll get to know me by being kindly forgiven. With the slate of their sins forever wiped clean. By coming up with a new plan, a new covenant between God and His people, God put the old plan on the shelf. And there it stays, gathering dust. Hebrews 9. A Visible Parable. 1-5 That first plan contained directions for worship, and a specially designed place of worship. A large outer tent was set up. The lampstand, the table, and the bread of presence were placed in it. This was called the holy place. Then a curtain was stretched, and behind it a smaller, inside tent set up. This was called the Holy of Holies. In it were placed the gold incense altar and the gold-covered ark of the covenant containing the gold urn of manna, Aaron's rod that budded, the covenant tablets, and the angel-wing shadowed mercy seat. But we don't have time to comment on these now. 6:10 After this was set up, the priests went about their duties in the large tent. Only the high priest entered the smaller, inside tent, and then only once a year, offering a blood sacrifice for his own sins and the people's accumulated sins. This was the Holy Spirit's way of showing with a visible parable that as long as the large tent stands, people can't just walk in on God. Under this system, the gifts and sacrifices can't really get to the heart of the matter, can't assuage the conscience of the people, but are limited to matters of ritual and behavior. It's essentially a temporary arrangement until a complete overhaul could be made. Pointing to the realities of heaven. 11:15. But when the Messiah arrived, high priest of the superior things of this new covenant, he bypassed the old tent and its trappings in this created world and went straight into heaven's tent the true holy place, once and for all. He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood, instead using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. If that animal blood and the other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and behavior, think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives, inside and out. Through the Spirit, Christ offered Himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable, so that we can live all out for God. 16:17. Like a will that takes effect when someone dies, the new covenant was put into action at Jesus' death. His death marked the transition from the old plan to the new one, cancelling the old obligations and accompanying sins, and summoning the heirs to receive the eternal inheritance that was promised them. He brought together God and His people in this new way. 1822 Even the first plan required a death to set it in motion. After Moses had read out all the terms of the plan of the law, God's will he took the blood of sacrificed animals and, in a solemn ritual, sprinkled the document and the people who were its beneficiaries. And then he attested its validity with the words, This is the blood of the covenant commanded by God. He did the same thing with the place of worship and its furniture. Moses said to the people, This is the blood of the covenant God has established with you. Practically everything in a will hinges on a death. That's why blood, the evidence of death, is used so much in our tradition, especially regarding forgiveness of sins. 23:26 That accounts for the prominence of blood and death in all these secondary practices that point to the realities of heaven. It also accounts for why, when the real thing takes place, these animal sacrifices aren't needed anymore, having served their purpose. For Christ didn't enter the earthly version of the holy place, He entered the place itself, and offered Himself to God as the sacrifice for our sins. He doesn't do this every year as the high priests did under the old plan with blood that was not their own, if that had been the case, he would have to sacrifice himself repeatedly throughout the course of history. But instead he sacrificed himself once and for all, summing up all the other sacrifices in this sacrifice of himself, the final solution of sin. 27-28 Everyone has to die once, then face the consequences. 
Christ's death was also a one-time event, but it was a sacrifice that took care of sins forever. And so, when He next appears, the outcome for those eager to greet Him is, precisely, salvation. Hashtag Amen. Read through the New Testament in 90 days. Read a proverb every day with Proverbs 2 Go. Thank you for being here. Listening and reading the Bible daily with Bible 2 Go. Sincerely, Michael and Michelle. Shell. Join us. Again. Tomorrow. As we continue reading God's Word with Audio Bible 2 Go. 2 Go is the number. 2. Then G. O. Dot. U. S. See you again tomorrow. As we continue reading and listening to God's Word.